Central banks are now grappling with lower market interest rates that have undone a lot of the heavy lifting they were relying on that tightened conditions in previous months. They now face a choice. Endorse the market moves or talk tough to force them back up. That's in our five things in five minutes. And then in our bonus deep dive interview, ANZ's head of Asia research, Kun Go, unpacks why there's been an improvement in exports from Asia, ex-China. One, the drag from lower export prices is largely behind us, so we're starting to see export prices improve, and that's helping to drive uh, overall improvement in the headline numbers. Uh, but also we're noticing a pickup in Asian exports to the United States. But first, in 5 and 5 with ANZ, the Kiwi and the Aussie dollars are riding high this morning, thanks to continued softness in the US dollar. That's after last week's slide in US market interest rates on expectations the Fed can start cutting as soon as May next year and cut almost 100 basis points next year. The Aussie was at 65.55 US cents at 5am Sydney Melbourne time. The Kiwi is up to at 60.30 US cents. The S&P 500 and the NASDAQ are up 0.5 and 0.8% respectively, thanks in part to news from Microsoft that it's hired Sam Altman. Remember, he was sacked sensationally from OpenAI over the weekend, although there's reports this morning that half of OpenAI staff are threatening to resign unless the board that fired him are removed and OpenAI brings Altman back. West Texas oil is up 2% at 78 US dollars 24 cents. Gold down half a percent at $1,975.50. And the US 10-year Treasury yield is flat at 4.45%. Markets are generally quiet this week because it's Thanksgiving week in the United States. Number two, central banks now face a big task. How to reverse some of the de facto loosening in recent weeks from lower market interest rates? I has the market gotten ahead of itself? ANZ's New Zealand chief economist, Sharon Zollner, says the Reserve Bank of New Zealand will be wary in its monetary policy statement next week of tacitly approving that sharp fall in market interest rates in recent weeks. She has a few suggestions for the RBNZ. If the Reserve Bank is perceived as being dovish or basically rubber stamping uh, the market's move to price cuts, that they that that whole yield curve could slump quite a bit more, potentially easing monetary conditions. And we think the Reserve Bank would probably prefer to keep things reasonably tight over the summer. They do always have the option of a a nicely timed speech, for example, to just shoot across the market's bowels if they think things are getting silly. If they were to try to offset the market's tendency to want to price cuts by raising their official cash rate, track, then I think the market would look a bit sideways at that and go, hang on a minute, the data's gone the other way, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, So I think the simplest would be just to forecast um, essentially the same track. They could push out cuts further, but they're already in 2025, which is well beyond (laughs) the horizon in which any of us can reasonably hope to forecast, Uh, but that would would send um, a signal, for example. Number three, GDP growth in Thailand of 1.5% for the year to the September quarter was down from the previous quarter and below market expectations, thanks largely to a contraction in fiscal stimulus linked to the lack of a government after an election. Here's ANZ's chief economist for Southeast Asia and India, Sanjay Mathur. We do think that fiscal policy will become more expansionary, but the real problem that we're having is the sheer delay in the formation of the budget 
And there is a sort of a cash transfer program that is supposed to take place. But there is obviously quite a bit of uncertainty and deliberations on the mechanics of it, etc. And the entire issue is holding up the budget. Number four. Sanjay says these other factors slowing Thailand's growth rate too, including weak Chinese tourism and the El Nino. There are two other issues that remain a constraint on Thailand's growth. One, as is also very evident from the third quarter GDP numbers, the global environment and consequently exports have slowed considerably or sort of are contracting outright. And the second is that Thailand is facing a drought situation. Now, agriculture is an important sector for the Thai economy, both from the perspective of agricultural exports as well as agricultural incomes. So these are the two principal headwinds that are confronting the Thai economy at this stage. Number five. Sanjay says, however, the Bank of Thailand can't ease up in response to this weak growth. So inflation at this stage has come down considerably and is now well within the Bank of Thailand's targets. With this sort of growth profile, it would be fair to say that the Bank of Thailand does not need to raise interest rates any further, but rather can go on a prolonged hold from here on. What's your current view on how long it will hold before cutting? We believe that the Bank of Thailand will need to stay on pause at least until the Fed has clearly communicated that its next move will be a rate cut. So most likely in the second half of next year is the first rate cut we can possibly see from Thailand. Thanks, it's Sanjay Mathu there. Now, for our bonus deep dive interview, we hear from Kun Go about the improving prospects for exports from Asia, apart from China. For example, last night we heard that Taiwan's export orders contracted just 4.6% in October. That was much better than the 7.6% fall penciled in by the market and the 15.6% fall seen in September. Yes, Kuhn. Well, not just in Taiwan, but across the whole Asian region, we are detecting an improvement in overall export performance. So, for example, uh, we've seen year-on-year exports turning positive in India, South Korea, and Vietnam. And in Singapore, in U.S. dollar terms, uh, in October, exports were pretty much close to flat, minus 0.1%. Come November, we will see uh, positive year-on-year growth. Now, what's behind this improvement is a couple of things. One, the drag from lower export prices is largely behind us. So we're starting to see export prices improve, and that's helping to drive uh, overall improvement in the headline numbers. Uh, but also we're noticing a pickup in Asian exports to the United States. Now, we know that the U.S. economy has been pretty resilient. It uh, posted really robust growth in Q3. Uh, and that pickup in uh, U.S. Uh, growth is obviously translating through into increased demand for uh, Asian exports. So uh, that's been a, a noticeable trend. Uh, and while Chinese economic activity has been disappointing, uh, there are also signs that uh, Chinese Demand is starting to improve. Retail sales, for example, uh, that were recently came out uh, last week, has shown uh, you know an ongoing modest improvement, but a positive uh, move in the right direction. And that's been uh, manifest in uh, improvement in China's imports numbers, uh, and that's also helping the overall export uh, performance from the rest of the region into China as well. 
And what are we seeing from the semiconductor uh, sector as a factor? Well, I think that's really the uh, one area that has uh, really turned around quite substantially. So semiconductor sales uh, slump started pretty much from the middle of last year. Uh, But we have seen concrete signs that it has bottomed and is starting to turn higher. So we've seen uh, month-on-month improvements in the export numbers uh, for five months in a row now. Uh, that this is the uh, global semiconductor sales generally in aggregate. Uh, we've also seen semiconductor exports from Korea, Taiwan, and Singapore recover. Uh, and I think the, the best uh, data point that we have that the global semi- semiconductor sales cycle is starting to turn higher is the fact that uh, TSMC, uh, the largest uh, listed company in Taiwan, reported record revenues uh, for October. Uh, you don't report record revenues uh, when semiconductors are still in the slum. So I think these are uh, concrete signs that the semiconductor cycle is in a renewed upswing. Uh, and that should eventually uh, lead to an overall improvement in the region's uh, exports in the coming months. ANZ's Head of Asia Research there, Kungo. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Tuesday, November the 21st. And look out tomorrow morning for analysis of the RBA's minutes, which are due later today. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.